Long History, Henry Hudson, Journey 2, Part 3, Driving Ice, Walruses and the Northeast Passage. How did New York's famous river, the Hudson, and Canada's vast Hudson Bay get their names? Find out about Hudson's four historic journeys here. Hello everyone and welcome to Long History again. In Long History, rather than editing out the details, we give you all the details. Taking you to the very source of history by serialising documents by people who took part in events themselves. In this case, we're looking at Henry Hudson's diverse voyages and northern discoveries. It contains four journeys, including those famous ones where Henry Hudson explored the future Hudson River, and also the voyage where he entered Hudson Bay. Altogether, there are 25 parts to this series. Now, we do like to think that each episode stands on its own, but it's up to you if you want to go back to the first episode and listen to the full context, if you haven't already, of course. And if this takes your interest, there are lots of other source documents about famous journeys serialised on Long History. So please feel free to explore. In this episode, we're well into Henry Hudson's second voyage. This is the third of four parts to this particular voyage. And in it, Hudson heads from England to the northeast around the Norwegian coast into the Barents Sea in the Arctic Circle. On his attempted route to reach the Far East, he's hit a major stumbling block. The huge islands, today known as Novaya Zemlya, to the north of Russia, not at all famous to Western audiences, but actually very large islands. Not willing to give up, however, in this episode, Henry Hudson heads south towards the Russian mainland, to another island called here Vygats. But the vast quantity of ice means Hudson is forced to reach an unfortunate conclusion. So here we go with Henry Hudson, Journey 2, Part 3, Driving Ice, Walruses and the Northeast Passage. We had the sun on the meridian on the south and by west point, half a point to the western part of the compass in the latitude of 71 degrees 15 minutes. At two o'clock this afternoon, we came to anchor in the mouth of a river, where lieth an island in the mouth thereof, four leagues. We anchored from the island in two and thirty fathoms, black, sandy ground. There drove much ice out of it with a stream that set out of a river or sound, and there were many morses sleeping on the ice, and by it would put from our road twice this night. And being calm all this day, it pleased God at our need to give us a fine gale, which freed us out of danger. This day was calm, clear and hot weather. All the night we rode still. The 30th, calm, hot and fair weather. We weighed in the morning and towed and rowed, and at noon we came to anchor near the isle aforesaid in the mouth of the river, and saw very much ice driving in the sea, two leagues without us, lying southeast and northwest, and driving to the northwest so fast that we could not, by twelve o'clock at night, see it out of the top. At the island where we rode lieth a little rock, whereon were forty or fifty morses lying asleep, being all that it could hold, being so full and little. I sent my company ashore to them, leaving none aboard but my boy with me. And by means of their nearness to the water, they all got away, 
save one which they killed, and brought his head aboard. And ere they came aboard, they went on the island, which is reasonable high and steep, but flat on the top. They killed and brought with them a great fowl, whereof there were many, and likewise some eggs, and in an hour they came aboard. This isle is two flight shot over in length, and one in breadth. At midnight our anchor came home, and we tailed aground by means of the strength of the stream. But, by the help of God, we hoved her off without hurt. In short time we moved our ship, and rode still all night. And in the night we had a little wind at east and east-south-east. We had at noon this day an observation, and were in the latitude of 71 degrees 15 minutes. The 1st of July we saw more ice to the seaward of us. From the southeast to the northwest, driving to the northwest. At noon it was calm, and we had the sun on the meridian, on the south and by west point, half a point to the westerly part of the compass, in the latitude of 71 degrees 24 minutes. This morning I sent my mate Everett and four of our company to row about the bay, to see what rivers were in the same, and to find where the morses did come on land, and to see a sound or great river in the bottom of the bay, which did always send out a great stream to the northwards, against the tide that came from thence. And I found the same in coming in, from the north to this place before this, when by means of the great plenty of ice, the hope of passage between Newland and Nova Zembla was taken away. My purpose was, by the Vigats, to pass by the mouth of the River Ob, and to double that way the north cape of Tartaria, or to give reason wherefore it will not be. But, being here, and hoping by the plenty of morses we saw here, to defray the charge of our voyage, and also that this sound might for some reasons be a better passage to the east of Nova Zembla than the Vigats, if it held according to my hope, conceived by the likeness it gave, for, whereas we had a flood came from the northwards, yet this sound or river did run so strong, that ice with the stream of this river was carried away, or anything else against the flood, so that, both in flood and ebb, the stream doth hold a strong course, and it floweth from the north three hours, and ebbeth nine. The second, the wind being at east-south-east, it was reasonable cold, and so was Friday. And the morses did not play in our sight as in warm weather. This morning, at three of the clock, my mate and company came aboard, and brought a great deer's horn, a white lock of deer's hair, four dozen of fowl, their boat half laden with driftwood and some flowers and green things that they found growing on the shore. They saw a herd of white deer, of ten in a company on the land, much driftwood lying on the shore, many good bays and one river fair to see on the north shore, for the morses to land on. But they saw no morses there, but signs that they had been in the bays, and the great river or sound they certified me was of breadth two or three leagues, and had no ground at twenty fathoms, and that the water was of the colour of the sea, and very salt, and that the stream set us strongly out of it, 
At six o'clock this morning came much ice from the southward driving upon us, very fearful to look on. But, by the mercy of God and his mighty help, we being moored with two anchors ahead, with veering out of one cable and heaving home the other, and fending off with beams and spars, escaped the danger. Which labour continued till six o'clock in the evening, and then it was past us. We rode still and took our rest this night. The third, the wind at north, a hard gale. At three o'clock this morning we weighed our anchor and set sail, purposing to run into the river or sound before spoken of. The fourth in the morning it cleared up, with the wind at northwest. We weighed and set sail and stood to the eastwards and passed over a reef and found on it five and a half, six, six and a half, and seven fathoms water. Then we saw that the sound was full, and a very large river from the northeastward free from ice, and a strong stream coming out of it, and we had sounding then four and thirty fathoms water. We all conceived hope of this northerly river or sound, and sailing in it we found three and twenty fathoms for three leagues, and after twenty fathoms for five or six leagues, all tough, oozy ground. Then the wind veered more northerly, and the stream came down so strong that we could do no good on it. We came to anchor, and went to supper, and then presently I sent my mate Jewett with five more of our company in a boat, with sail and oars to get up the river, being provided with victual and weapons for defence, willing them to sound as they went. And if it did continue still deep, to go until it did trend to the eastward or to the southwards, and we rode still. The fifth in the morning we had the wind at west. We began to weigh anchor, purposing to set sail and to run up the sound after our company. Then the wind veered northerly upon us, and we saved our labour. At noon our company came aboard us, having had a hard route, for they had been up the river six or seven leagues, and sounded it from twenty to twenty and three, and after brought it to eight, six and one fathom, and then to four foot in the best. They then went ashore, and found good store of wild goose quills, a piece of an old oar, and some flowers and green things which they found growing. They saw many deer, and so did we in our after-day's sailing. They being come aboard, we presently set sail with the wind at north-northwest, and we stood out again to the south-westwards, with sorrow that our labour was in vain. For, had this sound held, as it did make show of, for breadth, depth, safeness of harbour, and good anchor-ground, it might have yielded an excellent passage to a more easterly sea. Generally, all the land of Nova Zembla that we have seen is, to a man's eye, a pleasant land. Much main highland with no snow on it, looking in some places green, and deer feeding thereon. And the hills are partly covered with snow, and partly bare. It is no marvel that there is so much ice in the sea toward the pole, so many sounds and rivers being in the lands of Nova Zembla and Newland to engender it. Besides the coasts of Pechora, Russia, and Groenland with Lapia, as by proofs I find my travel in these parts, by means of which ice I suppose there will be no navigable passage this way. This evening we had the wind at west and by south, 
We therefore came to anchor under Deer Point. And it was a storm at sea. We rode in twenty fathoms oozy ground. I sent my mate, Ladlow, with four more ashore to see whether any morses were on the shore and to kill some fowl. For we had seen no morses since Saturday, the second day of this month, that we saw them driving out of the ice. They found good landing for them, but no sign that they had been there. But they found that fire had been made there, yet not lately. At ten of the clock in the evening, they came aboard and brought with them near an hundred fowls, called Wellocks. This night it was wet, fog, and very thick and cold, the wind at west-southwest. The sixth in the morning we had the wind stormy and shifting. Between the west and southwest, against us for doing any good. We rode still and had much ice driving by us to the eastward of us. At nine of the clock this evening, we had the wind at north-northwest. We presently weighed and set sail, and stood to the westward, being out of hope to find a passage by the northeast. So Hudson has unfortunately been forced to come to a conclusion that there will be no passage to the far east via the northeast. His conclusion is reached in the following phrase, by means of which eyes, I suppose there will be no navigable passage this way. It seems he's been able to find no real way around that island of Nova Zembla, Novaya Zemlya, and it seems there was one last attempt to explore this sound or river, in the hope that in some way it proved to be a channel to the east of the Nova Zembla island. But in the end, as he says at the end of this episode, he was out of hope to find passage by the northeast. The next episode, therefore, is the last episode in this particular journey, when he heads back round Norway and to England. And in the next journey to come, he will begin his search for a northwest passage to the Far East, leading to his explorations of the Hudson River and Bay. Thank you for listening to this episode, everyone. And I wanted to say a particular thank you to anyone who's made it to this point of this episode. Because I think only a certain type of history fan would like this episode. And I was hoping you'd be able to help me promote long history, and in particular to share the news about the voyages to come. Now Henry Hudson's journey until now has been pretty event-free and rather cold, but the events become more famous, they begin to ramp up and then they become quite dramatic towards the end of the next two journeys. So if you could help me out, this would be the time to promote long history, to promote in particular those journeys. And of course there are no obligations and I'm just pleased you're listening at all. <laughs> so here's a special hello and thank you to you. And if you know of any like-minded people, please do share this episode with them. This was Henry Hudson, Journey 2, Part 3. Driving Eyes, Walruses and the Northeast Passage. Goodbye.